Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and on today's show we're going to be talking about a chaotic week or so for PSG that saw them celebrate the league on title, say goodbye to a couple of stars, sack their manager, and inch closer to several new signings. On the second half of the show we're going to be answering some of your questions that were sent in via Twitter and our PSG Talk Discord. First though, I speak for everyone who contributes to PSG Talk when I say that we are thinking about and praying for Sergio Rico uh, before the final match of the season against Claremont Foot. Rico suffered a traumatic brain injury and a horse riding accident. It was just terrible news and uh, he currently remains hospitalized. And I guess if there is some good news, according to his wife, the PSG goalkeeper is making progress slowly, which is great to hear. So we're definitely thinking about him. Um, Rico will certainly remain on the minds of PSG supporters around the world, but there is also a fair bit of other news to discuss, and here to help me do that, we have Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, how are you? How are things on your end? Yeah, doing good. Um, you know, weather weather here was kind of crazy today. I know it's been all crazy all over the U.S. I know New York has a bunch of smoke right now, but Boise had a, we had a weird thunderstorm today. It was like the most rain we got in a, in an hour time span. And I think my, uh, I don't know, as long as I can remember living here. But um, yeah, how's, how's everything on your end? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, weather's always been crazy. Um, but we want to get into this podcast. We've got so, so much to talk about. First up, PSG wins their 11th league on title by one point, Ethan, one point over Lons after a ridiculous 3-2 loss to Claremont Foot at the Parc de Prince. Not the way you want to end the season, but a loss all the same. Um, we're not going to dissect that match because PSG had already clinched the title. No one really wants to get into that, the, the nuts and bolts and tactics of that match. But we do want to talk about what happened around that match because... Before the kickoff, we learned that Sergio Ramos would be departing the club. Um, kind of a surprise announcement there. And then Gaultier confirmed that it would be Messi's last match for PSG. I, I don't think he was authorized to say that. There was some confusion about that one. Um, if you want to touch on that, you can. And then I was watching uh, some of the, the celebration and stuff. And when the players came out to celebrate for the with the trophy, you know, Messi was pretty loudly booed by supporters in the stadium. Neymar graced us with his presence there must not have been a red bull event so he decided to come and show up show his face which was nice he also was booed uh mbappe was cheered of course what did you make of one of the strangest trophy celebrations in psg history or maybe just football history yeah there's there's a lot to dissect there it was pretty odd um it, it's weird how i don't know if we can completely well we can't completely attribute the loss to uh Sergio Rico's uh, injury and that he's still hospitalized, but it does feel like uh, with Mbappe and a lot of other players that their minds were not really on the match. You know, whether they win league on by four points or one point, they, they don't really care. So that felt more like a, I don't know, just like a practice session or something. I mean, we, our defense was terrible that game. We allowed well over three point uh, zero zero XG 
Um, just really poor game defensively. Attacking, we were we were pretty good, but uh, not good enough to get three goals, which would have got us a draw. But yeah, it was it was it was strange for sure. Um, the Ramos announcement by uh, I think the club the day before. Yeah, it was I the believe. club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Messi was uh, about twenty minutes before the um, before the starting lineup was posted. They posted that Messi would be leaving as well. So we all figured that mess, the Messi one was going to be coming. But yeah, Ramos one was a bit weird. And um, one thing I will say is I always think it's really funny how our players, just everyone that for the Liga winning side, they all get a mini version of the Liga trophy, as you can yeah. see there. Yeah. They're all holding. I've always thought that is just the funniest thing. I think it looks so corny and bad. Um, but you know what, if, if Man City or Inter, whichever one wins the Champions League, I would love to see everyone but the captain holding tiny Champions League trophies. That would just be hilarious. So, <laughs> If um, you're a long-time listener to this podcast, you'll know my love for the, um, what is it, the Coupe de la Liga trophy, the little yeah. spiral oh, yes. gold. And they used to all, one, yeah. they all got miniature trophies of Many that. Ones. They did, yeah. And every so often I'll go on eBay just to see if maybe one of the youngsters put their trophy up on eBay because I would love to own one. Oh my gosh, that's a great idea, actually. I, I think I got to... I, I won't uh, steal yours. If I ever see a good deal, I'll let you know first. But yeah, send it over yeah, to I, me. I, yeah, yeah, but I think I'm gonna tr- probably grab the second one available because that that is a pretty funny idea, actually. Surely, some of these these younger players, you know, they maybe don't make it too far. They make a ton of money. They might we see it in the NBA and NFL players celebra- selling their championship rings and what have you. So one day we'll see a Coupe de la Liga uh, trophy on eBay. <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm yeah. not on the French version of eBay. Maybe that's my problem. Yeah, maybe that's it. But uh, you know what? I bet if you reached out to Kingsley Coleman, who already has 29 career trophies at age 26, <laughs> he was here two or three seasons, and I'm sure he won it at least once. I wonder if uh, that's probably the least important trophy that he's got in his in his trophy cabinet. So I wonder Ooh. if he would. I wonder if he'd sell it to us. I don't know. Okay. Someone uh, Kingsley Coleman. King, Kingsley, if your if your agent is listening or your team's listening, we we'd like to inquire about your Coupe de la Ligue trophy. I, I mean, I'd offer him 50 bucks for it. It's better than just collecting dust uh, somewhere in a yeah. box in his mansion. Um, yeah, so, but I, I do love the miniature trophies. I'm glad you pointed that out. We see Marquinhos there in the middle. If you're watching this on YouTube, we've got the pictures up. He's got the Sergio Rico jersey on. Several players had those on as they came out. But, you know, it's just great to see Sergio Ramos out there and, um, you know, Marquinhos. and But some of the youngsters, uh, Garby's out there. We see, I'm just kind of looking at this picture right now, but it's just great to see like the whole squad coming together. We always talk about, does this title matter? Do the players care? And it's like, yeah, it's a trophy and you can you can definitely see it. There's there's real joy on their face. Um, Juan Bernat, everything that he's been through, he may not be here next season. It's a really, It was a really nice moment, even though there were some like really odd moments. And Ethan, did, I mean, what did you make of the, the booing of Messi and Neymar? Were the fans a little out of line there? Should they have just maybe put aside their differences? Yeah, I I mean I'm I'm not a fan of of booing players. I just I don't know. I get that they want to disvoice or they want to voice their displeasure, but I uh, I don't know. There's I, there's just got to be some better way to do that. Um, but yeah, I think at, at this point of the season, especially for Messi, it's it's well known that he's leaving. Um, I, you just don't need to boo. It's just kind of unnecessary at that point, and it's only making us uh, our fans look bad. So. 
Um, if you want to voice your displeasure, do it somewhere else. Because ultimately, at this point of the season, uh, you're not really upset at Messi. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple uh, salty uh, people who are big French national team fans. I mean, I love the French national team, but, you know, business is business. It's not like it was personal for Messi winning that World Cup against France. So, at, yeah, at this point of the year, just just let it go. And um, But to all those people who are, you know, level-headed, non-salty uh, French national team supporters, just figure out another way to voice your displeasure. You know, so write a letter to the board, write a letter to Nasser, just tell him, hey, if you haven't got our message, we don't want any more of these bling-bling signings. So just leave that out. And yeah, yeah, so that's an elaborate uh, uh, explanation. But yeah, I think they should have just left it aside. Yeah, I mean, I certainly have been no fan of Messi here recently. I would have booed him after he skipped out on training. But at this moment, I don't even think I would have booed him, especially we know he's leaving. We know the manager's likely leaving. We've seen the transfers, which we're going to talk about, that have been linked with PSG. We see the, the wheels in motion. Things are happening. They're going in the direction of the fans. I'm not even saying you got to cheer Messi. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't boo him. Just... Let him go. So anyway, I just thought that was probably not the right time for the fans to do that. They, you had your opportunity. You booed him. Message was received. Uh, move on. So, okay. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the trophy celebration. PSG win their 11th league on title. Long second, they'll be the ch- Champions League. It'll be really interesting to see what they do in the summer. If uh, they're going to actually go for it, try to, to advance in the Champions League or, or just collect their check. But, um, Ethan, let's talk about um, Gaultier. We talked about how he probably leaked some of that messy news before he was authorized. He has been reportedly sacked by PSG. Um, and it's being strongly, strongly reported that Julian Nagelsmann, the former Bayern Munich uh, Leipzig manager, is the leading candidate to take over for Gaultier. Um, and and to, as if that news wasn't surprising enough, Thierry Henry, former Monaco, Arsenal legend, Barcelona uh, New York Red Bull uh, player, potentially coming in as an assistant on Nagelsmann's um, uh, staff. So what do you make of that news? Do you approve? Do you disapprove? Yeah, uh, I mean, just I think recently I've been just uh, talking a lot on Twitter how uh, Luis Campos knows football better than you, better than me. He knows football better than basically every, all of us on Twitter. And ultimately, I want his guy, whoever he wants the most, to be in charge just because I think it's important that the sporting director and the manager are, are two people that really, really want to work together, not just people who kind of have to work together. Um, that, that said, I, would, I think I would really like if Campos would give a strong uh, stamp of approval on getting Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, and especially Thierry Henry could be such. I mean, I've I've always been a big Thierry Henry guy. He's probably my favorite footballer that never played for PSG. Agreed. Um, same. Same. Yeah, and so I just I think he would be great to have an assistant coach. I know that he had a tumultuous time managing Monaco. Uh, I get that, but he's so maybe he's shown that he is not the best sort of guy to be relaying tactics. But obviously, that's where Nagelsmann would come in. He's proven that he's pretty dang good at that. So Terry as a locker room guy could be phenomenal, I think. I think that could be really good. I just don't know if it's going to be what Luis Campos wants. I don't know if he is going to want 
Luis Enrique or someone else more. But if it was totally up to me, if I was in Campos' shoes and I had to just use my best judgment, then that's that's a big uh, that's a big positive for me. So if if it's what if it's what the board wants, see my my fear is that it's what Doha, it's what Qatar wants, but not Campos wants, and it's pretty clear that Campos knows football better than them. And so I don't want them just going out signing a guy because they ultimately have the say, the, the owners, you know, in, in Qatar with QSI. I'm just hoping that they will delegate a good amount of this power to Luis Campos and, and let him be an important part of the decision-making process. Because if they leave him out of it, that's going to probably cause a rift there with our um, you know, de facto sporting director. I know he's not technically sporting director, but you know, essentially he is. I don't want it to cause a rift between between those two because uh, QSI has caused a lot of uh, you know they've made some relationships poor in the past. Carlo Ancelotti most likely left PSG because um, I mean he got the offer from Real Madrid, who he really wanted, but. It, it just even cemented the fact that he was going to leave PSG about 10 years ago when he uh, just kind of lost faith or he lost faith in QSI and they, they gave him an ultimatum to win our Champions League group back in the day, you know, 10, 11 years ago. And just that, that ultimatum, it's not a good way to do business. You know, it's, yeah, just, I don't think it's black and white like that. So I think it's been proven that QSI just, they make poor football decisions. They make poor business decisions at times. They're great with marketing, obviously. We're, we're extremely marketable. We all know that. Um, as far as pure football stuff, if Campos is not heavily involved in this decision-making process, then I just don't I don't have a lot of hope for it. So, um, See, I'm thinking that Nagelsmann is a Campos um, signing. I, I think maybe QSI... Demir, Nasser, whoever, they probably are probably leaning more towards Mourinho because, like you said, marketing, he's going to get all the headlines. He's going to come in, generate a lot of buzz. Nagelsmann seems like a very smart signing, which is kind of leading me towards maybe it's a Campos deal. The So we talked about the manager situation because we've all known that uh, Gaultier is, is on his way out. And so we were talking that maybe it should be Mourinho. He's a player. He's a manager that comes in and the players will respect and he's got the, the CV and he's won everywhere. And, and so um, I was like, okay, maybe you've talked me into it. We'll go with that. But deep down, and I, th- I said this, like my preference would be Nagelsmann. I just think football wise, tactically, he gets it. He's very smart. We just saw what he was able to do with Bayern Munich. PSG didn't score at all. He gave us a goose egg over that tie. And, and, and that wasn't the best Bayern Munich side we've seen in a while. So um, I, I just think with that, we saw what he did at Leipzig. He got to a semifinals. PSG were able to beat him. But that's a Leipzig side that had a lot of young players. I was just looking it up. When he, when he went to Leipzig in 2019, it was a month later when they brought in Christopher Nkuku. So I don't know how much he had, with, had to do with that signing. But if he had anything to do with it, clearly has an eye for talent. Uh, Jonathan Johnson wrote today a piece about players that could benefit if Nagelsmann is the guy, and he, he put um, Warren Zaire Emery is a player who will probably benefit the most, a youngster that Nagelsmann has experienced working with players like him. We've seen at Leipzig what he's been able to do with those players there. So 
Um, I love, so if, approve or disapprove, love, approve this, uh, if that's the, the manager that comes in, Nagelsmann. And I think Thierry Henry is the, um, just the cherry on top. If we're able to bring in Thierry Henry, who is respected by Kylian Mbappe and every young French player out there, if we can get him in, I almost kind of equate this to like college football where you're trying to recruit. You need maybe a former player, someone who's been in, in the NFL that has done it before that the young kids respect. He could go into those living rooms, talk to mom, and and, and, the, and the players are like, oh my goodness, I want to play for him. I could almost see him acting like that, going out there and helping recruit, getting those young French players, the Marcus Tarams of the world, right? Have them come in and, and play for PSG and recruit. And he, he does have experience. Maybe he hasn't had success everywhere, but he's been in a locker room. He knows what it's like. He's been everywhere from MLS with Montreal coaching. Uh, wasn't he, he was with Belgium, I think, the, the national team, if yeah, I'm not mistaken? Yeah, he was. He was. He's, he, I think he might even still be uh, an assistant currently. Yeah, yeah. so he, he's not just like a guy we're getting off the street that has no uh, credentials when it comes to being a manager. He's at Monaco. So he knows the game. He knows what it takes. He's not going to be the the head guy, but if he could just go in there and contribute in his special way, I love that. I love it, especially because a lot of the players that we're we're targeting PSG or targeting the summer are the younger French players who will absolutely be influenced. You're telling me like a player like Xavi Simmons who's maybe debating whether he wants to come back to to PSG. I know he's not French, but he would be influenced by Thierry Henry saying, hey, we got something special here in Paris. Come on back. I, I can't believe Xavi would tell Thierry Henry no or wouldn't be influenced by that. Do you know what I mean? Especially if he's trying to decide between Thierry's former club Arsenal or the club he's at now in, in Paris. So maybe that would be the, the, the thing that tips the scales and brings him back to Paris. So I, I couldn't approve of either one of them any any more um, highly than that I'm saying right now. I just think that they are just home run signings if we could bring both of them. Am I overstating it? Am I getting a little too excited here, Ethan? Um, maybe, but, but maybe just barely, uh, because I, I see where there is massive potential for that to be a great signing for PSG. Um, I, the biggest concern would be Nagelsmann and Thierry Henry controlling that locker room. Obviously the, 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 the dressing room is full of egos and it does definitely appear like our players have a harder time buying in to managers than, before, I mean, it seems like a lot of the, the guys um, completely uh, were completely lost on uh, on Galtier, or maybe I'm saying that wrong, but Galtier was completely lost on them starting in February or March, and he's someone that beat most of them to the Liga title just two years prior. So, but it's a good point if they don't quite respect Nagelsmann, uh, which is probably definitely a character issue for our players more than anything. Uh, it, you can't imagine that they will not have some sort of respect for Thierry Henry. So in, in some sort of way, not like he's going to even be a co-manager. He's not going to be the, ho, uh, the the co-head coach. But if, if you can't get the, if you can't get behind a dressing room of, of those two guys working together, yeah. just because just they've, they've each, yeah, exactly. They've got, they've got such good pros and their cons are basically, um, you know the, the 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 holes that they have are filled in by the other essentially it appears um where there's there's no glaring weakness between that that uh, little partnership there then i agree yeah if you can't buy into that as a player 
then uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't even be at the club. So I know I agree. I, yeah. uh, I think those are all pretty good points. I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. What Nagelsmann lacks, Thierry Henry brings. What Thierry Henry lacks, Nagelsmann brings in. I think it is just the perfect. We really don't see that a whole lot in football. We see it in American sports where maybe a, a head coach is really helped by an assistant. But in football, it's really like one guy makes all the calls and he either gets all the praise or gets sacked. Uh, this would be very interesting if PSG could pull this off, having two very strong-willed, strong-headed people come in with a lot of ideas and opinions and, and experience come in. Can they make that work? It could be a recipe for a disaster, but I like that rather than going to Mourinho. If, you, if those are my options, give me Nagelsmann and, and Henri. Any, any other final thoughts before we move on? No, I think that was pretty well said. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. Um, as far as Mourinho, I mean... He, he should be able to command that dressing room, but you just got to think of he's definitely in the twilight of his career. If he goes to PSG, it'll probably be his last big club. So, you know, maybe he's saving his best for last, but, but odds are uh, he's not. Not to say that he would be a bad signing, but um, yeah. But whereas uh, Julian Nagelsmann is, I'm pretty sure he's younger than Messi or he's, he's in his mid-30s. <laughs> yeah. So, He's younger than me. Yeah, yeah, he's younger than me. So he's got, you know, uh, plenty of time to be an elite coach. And, um, you know, he's he's German. He's born there, raised there, always been in German football. So for him to venture into France would be a little interesting. I, I don't know if he would be our manager forever. But you have to think at the same time, um, outside of Bayern Munich, where they're the dominant force in Germany, uh, PSG is has the potential to be the most similar club to Bayern in world football, where they're they're the club that regularly dominates their, um, so you know, uh, quote unquote one one club league. Um, it's it's a lot tighter and more volatile in England and Italy and uh, Spain. Uh, I mean, not that I mean there there are clubs in all those leagues that are always in the Champions League, but. It's, it feels like PSG can be the most similar thing to Bayern Munich. And now that he's been sacked from, from Bayern, it's, uh, I mean, I know that Bayern just replaced uh, their sporting director and their president. Those guys are both gone, and that's maybe who he had the biggest issues with. But you could make the argument that uh, there's a good chance he, he doesn't go back to Bayern for a while, even if he's a very, very good head coach. So, yeah, I agree with you. Fantastic. And so um, going back to the Claremont match, in the days since the final match of the season, two players have been reported all but confirmed to be on their way to PSG. We've got Marco Asensio and Manuel Ugarte. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. They have reportedly signed on the dotted line. They're going through their their medical, their physical, and uh, we're basically just waiting for the club to do the official unveiling with the social media graphics and what have you. Asensio is a free transfer from Real Madrid, while the Ugarte uh, transfer is a bit more complicated, Ethan. He arrives from Sporting for a reported transfer fee of 60 million euro. Not cheap at all. So... Ethan, what would you rate these two sightings, say, 1 out of 10, 10 being a home run, 1 being a failure, this is terrible. So I want to know, what would you rate those two signings, and what do you make of Chelsea's antics when it comes to Ugarte? Because they were reportedly willing to invest some sort of money in sporting to try and convince the player to sign for them. 
just more shady business from the club. So a lot to take in there. But uh, what are your thoughts on those two players? Yeah, I'll start with Asensio and I'll try not to go too long. Um, I really don't watch a lot of Real Madrid other than when they're in big Champions League matches and um, when they played against us and beat us uh, last year. Uh, I guess two years ago now as the season's over. But um, you don't watch a lot of them, but it seems like he was the guy that um, he was their right winger when when Rodrigo was not starting, which Rodrigo had a great year, by the way. He had a, um, I don't know if, if I'd say underrated year because Real Madrid always gets a lot of press, but he had a he had a great season. So he was the guy that would, he was he was his super sub. Um, but if you're if we're being honest, you look at his numbers this year and you look at his productivity for Real Madrid. It does appear like um, even though a lot of Madrid fans, I know they they wanted him gone and all that. It, it does appear he puts up pretty good numbers and he's fairly efficient uh, when he's on the pitch, especially given that he was uh, not a guaranteed starter this year. But if you're a super sub for someone that was as good as Rodrigo this year, then you could start on a lot of other clubs. So. I don't know if he is going to be our uh, our starter. I don't know if that's how that's going to work. I know a lot of people want him as a rotational piece uh, so that we've got a quality super sub off the bench. Um, but I, I think other I think when PSG fans are talking about that, I think they're being too optimistic. Uh, I think he's probably going to be our starter on the right wing or something like that for this year, uh, just because. I see all these these uh, mock lineups that people post for PSG next year, and you look at the new signings, and you're thinking we're not spending four hundred million dollars on transfers this year. Um, it's, I mean, Campos is frugal. That's well known at this point, and he's gone after all free transfers except for Ugarte, which I'll get in a minute. I think that's a great, great signing, um, but that's the only one that he's he's been willing to, you know, spend the money on so far. So. As far as Asensio, I'm going to put it at a at a six right now. I think uh, we'll see. I feel like that one could really go either way. Um, he's only ever played in Spain, I believe. Uh, I mean, I get the allure of, of Paris and still playing Champions League football, um, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens because he, you know, he could add some spice and some flair to Real Madrid, but he wasn't good enough to start all the time. Um, but then again, you do have to factor in. They've got really, really good wingers. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give a six for that one. And then I'll also try not to go too long on Manuel Ugarte. But I think this is uh, a great, great signing. I know that you and I were talking about uh, signing Sangare uh, from, um, from the Netherlands a couple episodes ago. And they're, they're different profiles. But as far as age 22 to 25 defensive midfielders who you would expect that they're still going to grow. They're still going to get better uh, over the years and who could become truly, truly elite as a six. Then I think Ugarte is probably the best prospect out there uh, in the world. Uh, I think up him, uh, Manu Kone, I think is also extremely good. And then Kefren Taram, I think one of those three, if you need a six this summer and you don't get one of those three, then you probably missed out. So um, Ugarte, I think, is just 22. His tackling and his interception numbers in the midfield this year were insane at sporting. Uh, they didn't win the league. I think they placed third or fourth, but um, he was just so, so good. So I really feel like for the second year in a row, 
Campos has gone out and bought the best player from the Portuguese league. Last year it was Vitinha, and he was he was decent this year, but I think he's going to end up being insanely good. I just think he's got to get a couple years in him. He's still very young too. And then I think Ugarte is, is the next, uh, you know, he was the best midfielder in Portugal this year, I would say. Uh, without, you know, I haven't, I didn't watch a bunch of matches and I didn't look at the numbers of a lot of other players, but it does seem like we went out and got the best midfielder from Portugal for the second year in a row. So this signing for me is probably on face value right now on paper, probably going to be a nine. Um, just because I don't think I could give anything a 10 unless we got Bernardo Silva on a free transfer, which would be crazy, but it's not going to happen. It's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen, obviously. But um, yeah, as far as that, I, I think it's great. But um, as far as, uh, and we might dive into this a little later, but yeah. as far as spending money on on big transfers this year, I don't see Campos going big on more than three. You know, if we spend $60 million on three different guys like this, that's $180 million after estimated, I don't know, 50 to $70 million in sales. We'll have about a net spend of $100 million on the season, which historically for PSG, that's about average for us. So, um, But really where we would be you know, kind of fixing club finances, as, I, as I've touched on in the past, is the wage bill will be much, much lower this year. So spending $100 million net to invigorate and bring a lot of quality youth, uh, plus guys like Bernardo Silva potentially, um, or other guys could be, I think that would that would put us in a lot better spot than last year. And then before I, I take over and give my thoughts, do you have any thoughts on, on the shenanigans from Chelsea, on what they tried to do with Ugarte? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who even knows what they tried to do there? And, um, you know, I've got some, I've, a lot of my buddies here in Boise are Chelsea fans, so they might listen to this and um, sorry, guys. I just kind of have to lay into you guys for a while because I don't dislike Chelsea um, as a club. Well, I, I didn't until recently. Um, obviously, when they spent six hundred million in five months, uh, you know, we PSG always got roasted for that in years past, and um, so it's good to see someone else get roasted for that because we we never came close to spending uh, six hundred million in a year, and I think their net spend was. 500 something we've never even come close to that we, we we haven't even hit the net of 200 in a year which uh, i mean we've had some big spending years i'm not gonna lie but uh, and we've definitely spent more than we we should have at times but that is just egregious that is i can't even believe that number actually happened but um <laughs> as far as their shenanigans i mean they're giving so many conflicting reports but i really feel like todd Bowley, their their new owner i feel like he is like a he to me he feels like QSI but he's got even less football knowledge but he just doesn't do the sports washing stuff that's kind of how i feel about him he just feels like he is completely clueless about football he just needs to let um you know football people make the decisions there because i feel like they have really got it all wrong i mean they spent 70 80 million on mudrick and he will probably be a colossal flop he's just been so bad I get that the Premier League is a tough league to start out in and, and gain your footing, but it's just there's no way that that all these signings that they or, or even half of these signings that they made uh, work out well because I, I feel like they bought a bunch of B minus signings. Um, you know, they bought like 10 B minus signings, but you know, you need co- uh, quality over quantity. So they would have been better off spending 
real big money on four elite players opposed to the 10 kind of average players. So, um, yeah, as far as their, yeah, the fact that they were reportedly looking into buying part of sporting when I feel like it was clear uh, at least a couple of days ago that Ugarte wanted to come here. I mean, it's no shock that a guy not from England will play, will opt for Champions League football opposed to Premier League football. That's, you know, if, if, if Ugarte was English or Scottish or Irish, then he probably would have gone to Chelsea. But Ugarte is looking for Champions League football where he knows he's going to be a guaranteed starter and he's got a proven sporting director there. You know, head coach is up in the air, but um, then again, we'll see how Pochettino gets on it at Chelsea, but they've got no European football this year. There's a pretty good chance they will not get Champions League football next year if you had to bet money on it. And there's just this stability, uh, instability, excuse me, with Chelsea right now that, I mean, if, if I was a, an English footballer or if I was a guy that was going to play football in England, I wouldn't want to go to Chelsea right now. I would rather go to live somewhere like, if you're not going to play Champions League football, then Liverpool would be my pick between the two. It's just, it, it feels like it's a much better scenario going into. There's so much more stability. I mean, who knows what Chelsea's going to look like in in a couple years, you know, it's tough to say. So, um, yeah, but that's, that's kind of my thoughts on it, but what, what, I want to know what's your take and you always come out with flaming takes. So I want to hear if you got anything spicy about Chelsea. I don't know if I have anything too spicy. It was nice to get one over on them because, uh, of the whole Christopher and Cuckoo, they, they signed him. And I just think that's such a, a poor move from in Cuckoo to go there. Um, I think it was reported like last November or December. So it was nice to get this one over on them. It was nice after the whole um, facts gate in January when, um, what was it? Um, what was the player's name? It just, I had in my head. It was, it was like Hakeem Ziyech. That's it. Yeah. So like yeah. when they, oh, the facts machine, we had technical difficulties and everything was ready to go and then it didn't work. And I just think like we just don't need to be doing business with them at all. Um, they're they're not a serious football club, and I think with Nkuku, he's going to be forcing his way out of there once he realizes how terrible it is. Because I can't, I don't see them in the Champions League next season. When you look at Newcastle's on the rise, Liverpool are going to bounce back. Arsenal are young and very strong. Manchester City, they're not going anywhere, and so Manchester United, maybe they sign Harry Kane. Um, Chelsea going to get into the Champions League? Christopher and Cuckoo, are you going to waste your career playing in the Europa League? You could do that at Leipzig. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think they're not a serious football club and their shenanigans. Just we PSG should just lowball every offer to them and just treat them the way that they treat us. Um, that's that's kind of how I feel about their shenanigans. With um, let me pull up my notes. With Asensio, I really like this signing. It's a free transfer, like you said, Campos. This is what he does. I like that he he's gonna be a right winger. It's a position that we we need a player. You know, we really didn't feel that after Di Maria, who is now leaving Juventus. So he comes in. Anytime you can get a 27 year old who's played substantial minutes for Real Madrid on a free transfer, I mean that just checks a lot of the boxes for me. So I really like him coming in. He's gonna be on that right side. Hakimi is gonna be getting forward. So I think between those two, they could be really lethal on that side of the pitch where we got Mbappe and Nuno Mendes on the other side. I really like what we've got going on there with Ugarte in the midfield. So 
in terms of what I rate Asensio that signing, I'm going to say that's probably around a seven. I think you gave him a six. I, I'm I'm right around there. I'd probably give him a seven. I like that a lot. Um, it's interesting with Ugarte. He he's had a kind of a meteoric rise. You know, he was in. Um, he hasn't been in the Portuguese league long, and the reason why he cost sixty million it, it was his um, that was the release clause. So Sporting knew what they had with that player. They they put that sixty million euro on him, and and a club had to pay it. So they know what they have, and it's not like they had a lot of history with him to look at. And so, like you said, his interception, his work rate, it, it's everything that PSG needs. It kind of hurts that we had to pay the sixty million, but it is what it is. I think him coming in is going to just really unlock Verratti. I've been vocal by saying I would get rid of Verratti for the right fee, but I think with Ugarte coming in, if he can do that dirty work, if he can kind of, you know, get in there and, and maybe pick up a couple of those yellow cards that maybe Verratti would pick up and just say you don't have to do as much of the dirty work with those two together with Vitinha and maybe another midfielder who comes in. I, I really like the, the beginning makings of this midfield. Varadi is finally getting someone who could come in and do the dirty work that he hasn't had since Tiago Mata um, and, and Blaise Matuidi. We're finally getting our midfield put together. So, yeah, it stings. We have to pay the 60. That's probably why I wouldn't give it like a 9. I'm going to say I'd probably give that signing an 8 because it, it was we, we definitely overpaid. But um, I really like both of those signings. So, um Everything is is going in the right direction. The PSG Campos, they've identified all of the issues that we are seeing as fans, and they're fixing them. We needed a, a right-sided, right-wing attacking player. Boom, Asensio on a free. 27 years old, right around the age that we should be signing players. Ugarte, a lot of potential. For 60 million, hey, in two, three years, that could be a bargain. He might be a 100 million euro player, and we might be able to, to make you know money off him if he wants to go to the Premier League or something. So we're signing the right players with the right profile um, and, and key positions that we need that are going to make a difference next season. These are these are positions that we, we had a lot of issues with this season, and they're going to come in and hopefully fix uh, what's going on. Stay going on uh, transfers. Um, the, the the players I'm going to mention right now, their signature is probably a little bit further off. But um, Xavi Simmons, reportedly interested in coming back to PSG for the $12 million buyout that it would cost. Um, there's concrete. We saw Fabrizio Romano uh, reported there's concrete discussions ongoing with Marcus Taram on a free transfer. We mentioned Bernardo Silva was uh, being mentioned with a move. Campo's strategy, anything concerning to you? Or do you think he's checking all the boxes he's doing everything that we wanted or do you think that there's something out there he's maybe missing or something you're looking for yeah my my one concern that i might have is if you know all the guys that we're linked with if we go after uh bernardo silva as well if we go after uh javi simons if we get them and let's say i mean who's who's someone else that we're thinking of getting i mean marcus Marcus Hernandez. Yeah, Marcus Turam potentially. I mean, the thing is with Marcus Turam is I, I think that he, and I know I'm in the minority here, but I think he's good enough to be our uh, to be our nine. I just think he is a guy that works very, very well with Killian. So my hot take is that maybe we don't need to go out and get another starting uh, striker. But, I mean, he is a free uh, free transfer, and if he knows he's coming in as a rotational player, then maybe... You know, like I said, I think we can go for three big signings this summer. 
So if the one of the other two is going to be striker, and then maybe the last one's Bernardo Silva, then I guess there we go. But I'm just wondering if we get Simons, Bernardo Silva, and a striker, I'm just trying to think of what formation we're going to use that's still going to utilize Ugarte well. Uh, because I'm, I'm thinking if we play with a back four, which I feel like is we're trending towards that, um, even though we're getting Skriniar, I mean, Ramos is leaving. But then you play with, say, like a 4-2-3-1. I mean, that covers, you know, you got your back four. Then you got your midfielders of, what, Verratti and uh, Ugarte. And, the, and then you're moving into the Bernardo Silva territory. Or the, you know, you'd have a sense on the right wing, but where are you going to play Javi Simons? Because I feel like he's not going to come back if he's not a guaranteed starter. And if it was up to me, uh, I'm a guy that's big on developing youth and it's okay if he doesn't turn out to be phenomenal right off the bat. You know, if it takes him a season or two, that's fine for me. But I just don't see us signing all of those guys because it just tactically, it's just there's almost nowhere that they all fit at the end of the day. So I'm just not quite sure how that is going to work. I mean, fortunately, the problem is probably going to solve itself because we're probably not getting both of Bernardo Silva and Javi Simons. So, I mean, I guess the issue will be fixed right there. But I feel like we've got to play with a, in that case, like a 4-3-3, you know, as um, that, that Yuzu Garte as that central defense midfielder, that true six. Uh, if, if, if Bernardo Silva comes in, and, or, or another midfielder, uh, or even if we just stick with Verratti and just let him develop and, and do that, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I just don't see a world where we have both Ugarte and a, a, a true 10, a true attacking midfielder in the lineup. I just don't see a world where both of those work because then, then at that point, we can't really play Asensio anywhere. We're not really playing with wingers as much which would also, I feel, like underutilize Mbappe, even though he is hashtag pivot gang. I know that he likes to be on the, the left wing, but um, it just we couldn't use him in that. If, if we get both a starting 10 and a starting 6, I feel like it would be a bit difficult. So we'll see how that turns out. You know, I mean, if all of these guys agree to play for us, then if the transfer fees are not outlandish and if we're going to make a good amount of player sales – then I, I guess we do it. You know, we can have, uh, I guess that's a good problem to have if you have too many quality players, but you kind of have to work the formation around them. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if I just, I don't think we'll get all those guys, but say we get all of them. I am very interested to see what's going to happen tactically because there's, I just don't think there's room for all of them, but maybe I will be proven wrong by whoever comes in. Yeah, which is why we probably should get a manager in because they're going to have to deal with the tactics and fitting all of these players into one lineup with 11 players. Don't forget, Oshiman is another player from Napoli that continues to have his name linked with the move to PSG. I don't think that can happen. It would be astronomical. I think PSG fans pump the brakes a little bit, but like if he were able to come in with Mbappe on the wing and then maybe put Neymar or Asensio on the other wing... Uh, or maybe you play, you know, Neymar more of a creative midfielder, attacking midfielder, perhaps. But that that could be dangerous with Verratti and Ugarte in the midfield to, to kind of, you know, play maybe a defensive midfielder role. Um, that could be interesting. 
I, I love uh, Javi Simmons. If he could come in, I, I think that's a no-brainer. I've been – we were talking before we started recording. I haven't ordered the new PSG kit because I'm waiting to see if he comes back because that's a player that I certainly would be interested in, in getting a kit with his name on the back. That would be amazing. I think he could do a lot of great uh, things at PSG leading uh, score, right, in the Dutch league. If we can get a player of that quality for $12 million, let's do it. Um, so just trying to th- – the overall strategy, I like a lot, but like you said, Campos, he's looking for the, the budget signings. He doesn't want to spend a lot. Bernardo Silva, for some reason, that just doesn't seem like a signing that's going to happen. I know it was reported that he wants to be here. I just don't think Pep's going to let him go. I, I just don't see him. I don't see him coming to PSG, even though it would really unlock a lot for us in the, in the um, team. But I think we do need a striker. We need a number nine who could come in and just bang in goals. I like Mbappe on that left wing. I don't see him moving more centrally. So who is that striker? Oshman, probably number one choice. Can you convince Harry Kane to come across the, the channel there and play in France? That could be difficult with uh, Manchester United, I'm sure, going after his signature. Um, Jonathan David, I think, is uh, at Lille. If you could get him to come in, I think he's ready to go. I think he could be a regular starter at a club like PSG. I think he's proven he has that quality. He's a he's a guy I would certainly keep my eye on. So overall with the transfer strategy, Campos, you're doing your thing. I back everything you're doing so far. As Ethan mentioned earlier, you're much smarter than any of us and, and it's certainly showing you. The signings have been great. I love the strategy so far. And Ethan, we've got a little bit of breaking news. The Athletic is reporting that Messi's decision is essentially down to Barcelona or Inter Miami of Major League Soccer. And it says, uh, excuse me while I read this here, um, quote, it says, MLS's offer to Messi involves contributions from the league's two biggest commercial partners. Multiple sources involved in or briefed on the high-level league discussion said earlier this week that MLS and Apple have discussed offering Messi a share of the revenue generated by new subscribers to MLS Season Pass, the league streaming package on Apple TV+. Both sides view Messi's potential involvement in Major League Soccer as a boon. Apple and MLS signed a 10-year, 2.5 billion dollar agreement this spring on tuesday apple revealed that a four-part docu-series chronicling chronicling messi's four world series appearances which stream on apple tv plus adidas which is among mls's largest corporate uh, sponsors they every kid is adidas um, has prepared its own potential arrangement to entice messi to the united states multiple sources briefed on those plans told the athletic on tuesday Messi is being offered a profit-sharing agreement with the sportswear giant, those sources said, which would involve the player receiving a cut of any increase in Adidas profits resulting from his involvement in MLS. Essentially, he will get a cut of every Adidas Messi Inter-Miami shirt sold in addition to all of the increases. So basically, Messi is going to go to MLS and he is going to increase the number of subscribers and he will get a percentage of that and he will sell a crap ton of jerseys and he will get a cut of that. Ethan, any reaction to that breaking news? Literally like five minutes ago, this broke. Um, yeah, I hadn't even seen it on my phone yet. So whatever uh, news I got uh, has not updated me on that. But if if he was going to go to Miami, that's exactly what I would have expected. Uh, I would have expected that the ML, you know, it's not Inter-Miami paying his salary it'd be it'd be the whole league itself and um especially yeah the the tv uh provider essentially there apple tv not surprising that they're gonna they're willing to chip in as well as adidas being willing to chip in this this is exactly how i would have envisioned uh him going to the mls happening 
if it went that way. You know, maybe it's uh, maybe it's just written in the stars. I'm even wearing Inter Miami colors tonight on my PSG kit. I'm wearing <laughs> the the pink one, uh, the one with the pink stripe. So if if he's going to go to the MLS, yeah, that's exactly how I would have predicted it. Um, and it makes sense that uh, I know that he is Saudi Arabia's tourism ambassador, but uh, he never he does not strike me as the guy that. Um, you know, yeah, I'm going to be a big fan of living in Saudi Arabia. I don't see his wife, Antonella, loving that. Uh, apparently, a couple of his kids have had a hard time adapting in Paris, so I don't mm-hmm. see them moving to Saudi Arabia. I mean, Barcelona or Miami seems like the, the, a clear fit. So I think that's best for football, honestly. I, I think it would be cool if he went back to Barcelona. Um, but if he's going to go to Inter-Miami, that's fine with me, and I promise it's not just because I'm American. But um, that probably helps a little bit, but, um, yeah. yeah, it would be cool for the league. I think we've discussed this in the past. Uh, you go to Ralph Salt Lake games that would get, well, you're season ticket holder. So I am a season ticket holder. However, we do not play into Miami. I think it's one of the teams we have not played in a while or ever. Mm. I, it's something very strange between RSL and inter. So I will not oh. get to see Messi come, but as an LAFC supporter, um, I believe, let's see. I think we play them. I, I think remember. you do. Is it September 3rd? I, I think September oh, yeah. 3rd, Inter will, uh, you, you play them. I think that's at home. I never know with, with Google when you look if they list, like if it's soccer, the first team, are oh. they the home team? Yeah, I think it's the first team is the home team. But Okay, so September 3rd for LAFC but... if you want to get out there. Um, but okay. according to the report, it's saying here that uh, there's a source that said uh, that mentioned a potential date for Messi's MLS debut should he sign would be Inter Miami's League's Cup match against Mexican side Cruz Azul on July 21st, mm. which would mm. be in in Miami. And I believe I saw it um, reported or someone noticed that Inter Miami has paused all ticket sales for that game. So I would imagine if, oh, if Messi does sh- oh. sign, yeah, that they, you know, they're going to jack those tickets up. So, wow. If, yeah. if they've paused ticket sales, that, that means they're, they're at least slightly confident that he's, that he's considering it. So yeah, that could be interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, that would, that would be big for the league. Obviously that'd be huge. Um, I know that it, it oh man, I, I'll just avoid the uh, Messi and Ronaldo fanboys discussing whether the MLS or, or the Saudi Pro League is better, because I do not care at all which one of those leagues is better. But yeah, um, well, hey, hang on. So the the it's a Twitter account. I want to give them credit at Miami Football MLS. Uh, their name is Inter Miami CF Burner account. Inter Miami, mm-hmm. and they tweet Inter Miami about an hour ago. Inter Miami has paused ticket sales for the July 21st Cruz Azul match. It would be Messi's first match should he come. And there's a screenshot that says you cannot buy. It's just it's a screenshot. You can't buy tickets for that match. So, yeah. Uh, it's happening. Messi to the MLS. And I had tweeted a long time ago. I said it would make a lot of sense for Apple. We know that that whole uh, $2.5 billion is, is not chump change even for Apple. And they want to return on that. And Messi is a great way, as we learned as PSG fans, to get a return um, on your investment, at least financially. So, um, yeah, there we go. Well, good. Ethan, thank you so much for reacting to that breaking news. Let's take a deep breath, and then we'll get into uh, part two. We'll go quickly because we're already over a little over an hour. We'll go quickly. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll dive into questions from Twitter. Twitter. 
All right, welcome back to part two. Ethan, you ready to answer some questions? We haven't done this in a while. I don't know if we've ever done it with you as a, a co-host here. So you ready to hear from the people? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, so this one comes from at Parisian Lord. He wants to know our old friend, Adrian Rabio back in Paris. Yes or no? Good idea, bad idea? Ooh, man, that's tough. Um, I mean, it. Like, uh, I'll, I'll put it at this. If we are not going to get Bernardo Silva, then maybe a good idea. Maybe. Uh, I, I might take Vitinha over him still, though, just to let him grow. And I know Rabio's not old, but, um, ooh, that's tough because Rabio did have a great year for Juventus. If we get Bernardo Silva, then definitely no, because then we just we have too many midfield options. Um, I, you know what? Even if we don't get Bernardo Silva, I'm still going to go no here. He's not a bad option, but... Uh, I just don't think we need the drama of his uh, mother as as his agent. And, you know, we, we've got a lot of guys in the midfield that are serviceable. I get that he might be an upgrade right now on Vitinha. He probably would be. But I'm still I just the way I think about football, just let the young guys play. Let them grow. So um, I'm going to go no. I'm going yes. I wrote a piece years ago. He's the prodigal son. I want him to come back to Paris. He's an asshole, but he's our asshole. I want him back in Paris. I know his mother, yada, yada. He's 28 years old. He's right in the prime. He's a tall midfielder, something we we really, really need. We have a, a lot of midfielders who are smaller in stature. We need someone who can win those aerial duels. I love him for that. Uh, again, 28 years old. And Campos, listen up. You get him on a free transfer. No transfer fees. His contract expires uh, June 30th, so we could go in and uh, bring him in. So, again, checks a lot of boxes for PSG. Let's just do it. Let's just bring him back. He He's older. He's wiser. Juventus is a real club. He would have matured there, hopefully, a little bit. Let's give it a try. Let, let's, let's bring him back. That's what I say. So, uh, Parisian Lord, thank you for the question. Let's keep it moving here. Um, I'm not going to do all of these just because we're limited on time. Let me find the, the best ones. And some of these we, we did talk about already. Yeah, um, I saw there were, there were a lot of comments. So there's yeah, a lot of transfer stuff. This one came not from Twitter. This one came from our Discord uh, server from Tommy1530. And they want to know about the situation at AC Milan. And he wants to know if there are potentially any players PSG should maybe target from them. So if you don't know, AC Milan, they sacked their technical director, former captain Paolo Maldini. This has obviously upset a lot of fans. And some of the players have taken to social media, including two former PSG players, Yassine Adley and uh, Mike Mignon. So um, they're, they're unhappy. They voiced their displeasure. So with a little bit of turmoil at AC Milan, they had a good season. They've got some good players. Should should PSG be looking at any of them? Oof, man. Um, you know what? You go first because I, I just when you were reading that off to me, I'm trying to think in my head. Yeah. What positions could be filled? I can't think of anyone that I'd realistically imagine. So who do you? Sure. Um, I mean, Mike Mignon, come on back. I'd love to have you come on back. Uh, uh, we, have Don, we have Donnarumma <laughs> though. It's just I feel like we've we've chosen Donnarumma. I feel like we just have to stick with him at this point. But. I know, I know. Um, so I, I certainly would would take him. Um, Sandro uh, Tonali is a player that when uh, Leonardo was here, seemed like I remember writing about this transfer saga for months, if not a whole year. Um, defensive midfielder with Ugarte, probably don't need him, but certainly a player with a lot of quality. I really like him. Um, 
looking, I mean, Olivier Giroud for a little depth. <laughs> a little depth at, uh, in the, at the striker, maybe. Uh, French, could you bring him back? I don't know. Um, but yeah, not a whole lot of players jump out, but anyone that you think we should? Um, you know, I did forget that they had Tonali. Uh, I think he could, that would be probably, that'd be the one if I could pick one player, if we could just snag him from their team, then I'd probably take Tonali. But as far as Giroux, I mean, man, I love Giroux. Um, man, you almost have to think, I don't see him leaving, but because uh, I, I think he even just extended his contract. But if he is, you know, ultra pissed off and he's looking to leave, I'm wondering if Taram and Giroud together, not that you have to play them same time, but both of those guys, you know, sort of use two players to fill the the, the, the hole of, you know, one this one striker spot that we need to fill. I wonder if that could be a good option. Other than that, though, I'm thinking all of their best players – are our guys that other clubs will spend more on they'll you know they'll pay higher for and we've already got those position covered um hernandez we've got that position covered manyan you know we just at this point we just got to stick with donnarumma um you know i guess if you're playing fifa you could probably sell donnarumma easily and buy manyan but in in real life you know uh it's not that simple so yeah other than tonali i think i'm probably good Fair enough. And uh, we, we do have some other questions about, you know, what other midfielders or center backs we would bring in, um, ideal transfer window. I think we, we've covered a lot of that, um, of players that we think are kind of linked with the move to PSG. So um, we won't get into those questions, but thank you for those who did send those in. We really do appreciate it. Um, we're running long on this podcast, so I want to wrap it up. But Ethan, any final thoughts on the end of PSG season? transfer window any anything you left out that you want to get off your chest here um no but i i will say one thing is i don't know i mean maybe i just for you know never noticed it but i've noticed the last couple of years how a lot of these uh international matches will get played right after the club season ends and i just think that's sort of horrible i mean it's not like uh it's not like we've got the european championships or copa america this year and I feel like, I mean, I could be wrong on this. Maybe I'm just forgetting. My memory's not very good. I have to write down a lot of stuff for, for notes. But I feel like three, four, five years ago, we didn't have these international matches being played right after the season ended. And I just don't think it's a good idea. I mean, Mbappe's got to wait a week for the Champions League final to end. And then he's got two matches against frickin' Gibraltar and someone else for France. You know, Gibraltar, they're going to win like 15-0. And I think they have Greece in the last one who, if I'm right, if it's Greece, I mean, they're, they're not the Greece of the early 2000s. That should be a pretty comfortable win. You're just asking for, you know, this is a chance for more players to get hurt. I think we already saw, who was it? There was someone in Syria who literally, oh, Tammy Abraham for Roma. I think he tore his ACL the final Syria day of the season in their final match in an almost meaningless match. I mean, they were looking to make the Europa League and not fall down into the conference, but an almost meaningful, uh, meaningless match, and he tears his ACL, and now his whole offseason is gone. He's going to be out until at least probably December, so that's awful. I feel like we don't need to give players more chances to get injured. Um, I mean, I know, you know fixture conge congestion has been a topic that's talked about a lot recently, in football, especially, we know the Champions League group stage is going to expand by four games 
uh, in two seasons. So, yeah, let's just – I know that they got to have these qualifiers and stuff, but I think if it was up to me, um, not that these are Nations League matches, but I don't think the Nations League ever should have been created by FIFA for any of the confederations. And, yeah, I just think we need to be wary of fixture con- congestion. So I'm just most hopeful that some of our European guys that are playing – uh, I know Donnarumma and Verratti got called up by Italy today by Mancini. Uh, just other guys that will be playing in matches in mid to late June. I just am really hoping no one gets injured. I hope no one gets injured for any club because that's just an awful way to go into the off season. So yeah. last bit, I will just say, you know, I'll be watching those France matches as I always do. And I just hope no one gets hurt because I just don't think it's a good idea to have those matches after the season. Agreed. I echo all of that. Um, I've got two parting words that I'd like to say. Number one, congratulations, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, on just a wonderful career. He's why I'm a PSG fan. I, he's my favorite player that ever wore a PSG shirt. I just think he, I tweeted, he's my GOAT. He's my greatest of all time. I think skill wise, He's unbelievable. I don't think there's ever been a footballer like him. Personality-wise, just supreme confidence. I love that he didn't go to the the Saudi League. Um, I love that he's played into his 40s and has been just a wonderful, wonderful player. He was at PSG for several years, won trophies, never got us over the hump of the Champions League, but it wasn't for lack of trying. He is just a fantastic player. So kudos to him. Congratulations um, again. And then... On another note, PSG reportedly going to do another uh, preseason tour this summer in Japan, which, pfft, not a fan of that. Not, nothing against our friends in Japan. You were just there last year, though. You were just there last year. I wouldn't even be upset if you did, if you said, hey, we're, we're going to Rio de Janeiro, or we're going to wherever, Germany. Mix it up a little bit. Go somewhere else. I mean, I, you haven't been to the United States in a while, uh, so I certainly would love that, but... Um, I almost, to your point, but the, the international games, I almost wouldn't mind them just maybe going somewhere with a little bit of altitude that's in Europe so they can train, get their fitness up, somewhere secluded, they become a team with Nagelsmann and Henri, you know, that that's kind of what I would prefer. Forget all the marketing bullshit. Let the Premier League come, clubs come here and, you know, prance around like it's a circus and all that and for the marketing dollars PSG need to lock down focus kind of like in Rocky 4 you remember when Rocky was out in the wilderness and uh, training you know running up the snowy mountain that's what I want PSG to do not go to Japan and sign autographs in the photos and everything else concentrate go to the, go that, to the Alps or something <laughs> that's a good point I was going to say I feel like somewhere like the Alps or Austria would be a great spot for a didn't they go to Austria season? with Tuchel? I think didn't they go to Austria? I think I think you're right. I think they did go once, but and they went to the Champions um, League yeah, final. Just, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. Yeah, no, I'm with you. If they're, I mean, man, I was so bummed when I heard it was Japan again. I was hoping it'd be the U.S. If they had any game in in the Midwest or the West Coast, I was mm-hmm. going to fly there. I'm just hang. I'm just really hoping that the Trophy de Champion is. Uh, it's probably not going to be in the fall. And apparently, uh, you know, French football is looking to do that outside of the country still. Just please don't go to Israel or China again. I badly want it to be in New York or Canada. Uh, Montreal? Or, yeah, I was thinking like cities with like a lot of French flair, like 
New Orleans. Yeah. They, the Mercedes-Benz or whatever they call that arena now. That'd be amazing. Be Superdome, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Superdome would be sick. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think they'd have to get natural grass put in. But anyway, yeah. And nothing against Israel and, and Japan and all these other countries. It's just that you've, you've had it. You've had it for a while. We want them to go somewhere else. If it's not United States, yeah, go, go to the Swiss Alps, train, you know, beat up hanging meat in a locker somewhere like you know like train train because there's gonna be a lot of pressing needed this upcoming season so anyway ethan that seems like a good place to leave it we've got your twitter handle there so make sure you go and follow him there's my twitter handle go to psgtalk.com read all of our stuff we're on substack psgtalk.substack.com it's free subscribe We've got some good columns up there. I mentioned one from Jonathan Johnson today on Nagelsmann. So go ahead and do that. And then, yeah, if you like this, leave us a little review. uh, Comment if you can. All that good stuff. Just let us know you're listening. We always love to hear that. So thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone.